Bibles this morning, I'd like you to go ahead and, and take those and, 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 and get those ready. There's going to be three different places that I'm going to direct you to turn and to, to look at in, in the Bible. Let me begin this message by saying this, that every follower, every follower of Jesus Christ has a story of how you came to Christ or how you've grown in Christ. If you've committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, even if, like me, you don't remember when that happened, um, but many of you do, and, and, and I could go back. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I could go to every person here and, and talk with you, and, and I would say, tell me how you came to Christ. Many of you would be able to recount that. Some of you, But I would also say, how have you grown in Christ, or how have you developed in your relationship with Christ? You'd be able to share with me some of that as well. It would be wonderful. Everyone has a story. Every follower of Jesus Christ has a story. Last week, you saw up here 10 persons who publicly declared their faith in Jesus Christ. And you heard just a very, very small part of their story. That was, wasn't that a great time? That was just a wonderful time of celebration when you hear and you see what God is doing, a part of what God is doing in someone's lives. Uh, this, this morning, I want to show you two followers. I want to share with you two followers of Jesus Christ who are recorded in the Bible. Both of them are recorded three times, and they're always mentioned in conjunction with each other. Both of these persons are only mentioned by name three times in Scripture, but they're always mentioned right next to one another. Their names were... Luke and Demas. Luke and Demas. L-U-K-E and Demas. D-E-M-E-S. D-E-M-A-S, excuse me. Luke and Demas. And, and the fourth chapter of Colossians is the first place to record them. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Colossians chapter 4. Now, let me do, before we read this, let me tell you that Colossians was first a letter written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to a, a gathering of believers in the city of Colossae. Right? And that's why we call it Colossians, or the letter to the church in Colossae. And, and in, in this letter, like a lot of letters, it has a beginning, a, a main part, and then concluding remarks. And in Paul's concluding remarks in this letter, Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. It's very, very brief. They're, they're, read it again. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Now, there's not much there. There's, there's, there's almost nothing. In fact, in reading through the Bible, you get through Colossians and you get to the end here, you can just really breeze right past it. He's mentioned, other people are mentioned. There's not much there, but here's what we know about Luke. He's regarded by Paul as a, as a dear friend. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. Again, we don't know his story. We don't know how he came to Christ, how long he's been serving Jesus Christ. His name and the circumstances around him probably means that he was a, a Gentile or a non-Jewish person. He was one of those early believers that came to Christ who were not first Jewish. That was probably the case with uh, with Luke. He was a doctor, it mentions here. He was a physician, we know that. Uh, unlike Paul, uh, 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 again, he was probably not Jewish. Paul was Jewish. Uh, uh, there's no record of, of how he came to Christ or how long he's been serving him. But here, along with Paul, 
Luke is sending greetings to fellow Christians in Colossae. So he's, he's, he's you know, sending this, this note out. Greetings from Luke. It would be easy to just you know, bypass all of that. With Demas, this other person mentioned here, there's even less information. He too is a follower of Jesus Christ, although we don't know how long or the circumstances that brought him there. He also is probably a Gentile, a non-Jew. He's a friend of Paul's, and he also sends greetings. So I mean, there's a little bit about Luke, but there's even less about Demas. In fact, there's so little on them that it hardly seems worth mentioning. You know, it's, 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 it, there's, there's almost nothing there. Why even look at this? Well, stay with me. I think you'll see. Because a short time passed, really, we figure just a few months, and Paul writes another letter. This time he writes a letter not to a church, but to an individual, a person named Philemon. In the book of Philemon, we call it a book now, but it was originally a letter, and, and in, Paul's, in Paul's letter to this man, this fellow believer named Philemon, in his concluding remarks, Paul wrote this in verse 23 of Philemon, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus sends you a greeting, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Again, it's almost, it's almost hardly anything there. Why even comment on it? There's very little information here, yet both Luke and Demas with others are called Paul's fellow workers. That simply means this, that together, they weren't just friends sending, sending greetings, but they were fellow workers. That means that, that together they were telling people about Jesus. Now there's actually a lot there when you think about this. Here are these, these people, there are five mentioned, and Paul says, these guys are with me and they send greetings. They're my fellow workers. We're in this together. An interesting thing about Paul the Apostle Paul is, he was, not a, he was not really what we would call a lone ranger. He was not a, a standalone kind of a person. He was always glad to take somebody with him in this, in this message of, uh, this task rather, of getting the message of Jesus Christ out to the world wherever they happen to be. And he was always taking someone with him, and he has these fellow workers, these fellow workers. And, and, and I think, and as I was pondering this, I thought, how encouraging those guys must have been to Paul. You know, when you're doing any task, particularly a difficult task, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It, it may be something at your job or something from your past you can look back on. And there was a particularly arduous, difficult, challenging, long task. And it's always encouraging to look over and see somebody with you. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, I'm in this and it's hard, but I'm not in this my, my, by myself. And I think that's how Paul was. He, was. he was going into these areas and he's planting churches and he's encountering people who were demon-possessed and he's encountering people who are, who are just all kinds of really difficult things that they're going through. He, he's encountering people that, whose families have been shredded and, 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 and along with these other fellow workers, they're doing this. How encouraging it must have been for Paul to say, these guys are with me. Now, just one more reference, and, and, and it is in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn there, 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is another letter. This is a letter to his, Paul's second letter to this, this beloved comrade, this beloved co-worker named Timothy. He's like a, 
Timothy was to Paul like a, like a child in the faith. He was like a spiritual son. And, and, and Paul is writing this second letter to Timothy. And, 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 but here's what you need to know. A lot of years have passed between those first two letters to Colossians and to Philemon. About five years have passed. That's a long time, right? Five years in anybody's estimation, at least humanly speaking, that, that's a that's a pretty long time. In those five years, since those e- earlier letters, uh, people had come to Christ. People's lives had been changed. People's lives had been transformed. Again, families healed, marriages healed, bodies healed. There were some really wonderful victories that happened between the end of Philemon and the end of 2 Timothy. Miracles had been performed. Churches had been planted This is all recorded in the book of Acts and and how many of those churches and those missionary journeys that Paul was on, a a lot of that had happened in these intervening years. Paul had been arrested, he'd been held, and just all kinds of things happening. There, there, There were challenges as well. There were big challenges. So not only were there great victories in those five years between the end of one letter and the end of another, there, there were also some tremendous challenges, as there are in anybody's life, right? You can look back in the last five years, and you've had some really wonderful things happen in five years, and you've had some big challenges, every one of us. This was the same with Paul. So he's closing this letter, the second letter to Timothy. He's closing this letter, and he writes this to Timothy, chapter 4, verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly, he writes to Timothy, for Demas... Because he loved the world, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. And then verse 11, only Luke is with me. Again, it's brief. Do your best, he writes to Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly. Because Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to this other city, Thessalonica. Verse 11, only only Luke is here with me. Now, you also need to know this, that 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul wrote before he died. It's the last letter that we have. That, that phrase where he said, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the course, I've kept the faith, my life is being poured out as a drink offering, that was also right here in 2 Timothy. History, not the Bible, but history tells us that it wasn't too long after this that Paul was martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. He's been arrested for some time, he's probably in Rome, and he is, things are very, very difficult, things are very challenging. And when you understand the context, here's Paul, and he's saying, I want you to come, he says to Timothy, his spiritual son, he says, do your best to come, come quickly. Demas, I paraphrase, Demas, loving this world has left me, he's gone to another city, he's deserted me, Luke's still here. When you understand the context, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. It's, it's, it's sad when you, when you see here this, what this man is going through. It makes, it's a little bit sad when I read verse 11 and, 
he makes this comment about being Luke being the only person still with him. I find that sad, but it's not as sad as his reference to Demas, is it? Paul wrote, Demas had deserted him, had gone to another city, and, and with, with just that one small brief explanation, it says, because he loved this world. I don't know if this ever happens to you, when you're reading through the Bible and you see something and you read something that creates more questions than it gives you answers. Has anyone else ever had that? You're reading through the Bible and, 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 and all of a sudden you, you, you look at it and you realize and this insight hits you and you're going, wow, I never noticed that before. And you end up with more questions than you have answers. This is one of those for me. With this one statement, Demas, having loved, because he loved this world, deserted me and is left. This leaves me with, with more questions than I have answers or that the Bible gives answers. Uh, I, I have this question. How badly did Paul hurt? And you know, Paul's a tough guy. You don't think Paul's a tough guy. You read the book of, of Acts, and Paul was a very, very tough man. He went through a lot for the sake of the gospel. You talk about somebody who needed appreciation. That was Paul. Paul went through a lot. But sometimes we get the understanding that, you know, these, we look at these guys kind of two-dimensionally and we forget that, that, man, there were some things that hurt Paul, not just when people threw rocks at him or put chains on his, on his legs or on his body, but there were some things that wounded his heart. In fact, sometimes, and many of you know this, sometimes it's the things that happen in us that hurt us more than the things that happen to our physical body. I wonder how this felt. Here's Paul, he's known this man for years, at least five years, maybe six years, maybe much longer. He's worked with Paul, he's his dear friend, he's his co-laborer, his fellow worker, and now he's gone. I wonder how Paul felt. How did Paul feel when all of a sudden Demas said, I can't take it anymore, I'm out of here? Or when Demas said, you know, there's something else that's more desirable. Or how about Luke, right? Luke's always Luke's mentioned only three times in Scripture, but, but the, uh, how did Luke feel? He was always with, he's always around Demas. He's, he's probably, maybe they were, you know, they, 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 they traveled together in boats and they traveled together on journeys and they, they helped plant churches. Maybe, I don't know what they did individually, but they did it together. How did Luke feel when Demas said, I'm out of here? It had to hurt Luke. And, and, and then this question, which I, to me is almost one of the biggest questions, what was it in the world, right? What was it in Demas' world that he loved so much? What was it that would, that would cause him to leave his fellow believers? What was it that caused him to what thing was it what, that was so strong for him to desert and stop doing those things that made eternal differences? What was it? And we don't know because the Bible doesn't say it, but I wonder, again, more questions than I have answers. Was it the busyness of life? Was it, was it the, the, the full schedule that he had? Is, is that what, what, what it was and he just says, I, I, don't, I don't need this anymore? Was it, was it maybe discouragement? Was there something that, 
that, that, that just pulled him right down and discouragement doesn't usually have a, you know, a one fell swoop. It's incremental. It's bit by bit. Was it maybe something that somebody said to him or did to him that wounded him in his heart and he became bitter? Is that, is that what did it? Is, is that why he, he said, I'm, I'm done? Was it, was it some kind of a temptation, this, this, this reference here, because he loved this world? Paul knew what it was. He, didn't, he wisely did not say, but Paul knew what it was. Was it something, some kind of a temptation that had been there resident for a long time and had not been dealt with, had some kind of a, a hidden sin that, that was not confessed and, and, and over the time, course of time, as it always does, it just grows and consumes a person and then he finally just succumbed to that temptation and said, I'm, I'm gone, I'm, I'm, I want this more. I want this more than I want you or than I want to do God's will. What was it? Again, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say what it was. And and to be quite honest with you, again, while this creates more questions for me than it gives me answers, I got to thinking perhaps that is best. Perhaps it's best that it is not itemized exactly what it was in the world that drew Demas away. Maybe it's best that it wasn't, well, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a, a sexual sin or it was a, a chemical thing. They had that back then, of course. Or that it wasn't bitterness. Or that it was he just you know, got a better offer. Because if it would have been itemized, then we would go, well, that doesn't apply to me. Check the box, move on. Nothing to see here. Maybe it's best, maybe because of that somewhat vague explanation, maybe that can serve as then a very clear and disturbing warning that if it could happen to him, then it could happen to me and to you. See, I think that's the value of this 2 Timothy chapter 4 reference. By purpose, it's not itemized what it was. It just serves as a warning that if, that if this world can pull away someone who has been in fellowship, someone who has been a co-laborer, someone who has served Jesus Christ for years, maybe this serves as a warning, and I'm glad that it does. It serves as a warning to you and I to say that anybody can be pulled away from anything by something in this world. That's what's, what's important and yet very disturbing about this. Clear disturbing warning that if it happened to him, it could happen to me and it could happen to you. You see, I'd really like it if Demas's story, I would, I would really, I, there's a part of me that says it'd be nice if Demas's story was nothing more than just a brief Bible reference, just a kind of a footnote in God's word. But I've known too many people I have known too many people whose stories are strikingly similar 
to Demas's story. See, that's what's disturbing. I, I know of too many people whose stories, though their name is different and the circumstances are different, I've known too many people whose stories almost mirror the story of Demas. I, I remember, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, and not so old that I can't remember, I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember students of mine years ago when I, when I served at a Christian college. I, I remember during that time and in years subsequent to that, I, I remember students whose, whose love for something in this world eventually eclipsed their love for Jesus Christ. I don't go back into the, the yearbook of anymore because it's, it's bothersome when I look back and say, well, I heard about this and I heard about that. and I wonder what they're doing. And I trust that they've come back. Some did not and some have since gone into eternity. But it's heartbreaking when I see Demas's story repeated in their lives or some of the people that I led to Christ or that I... I was involved in the discipleship process alongside them, and I walked beside them. In some cases, I walked beside them for years. I could give you names and examples, but I won't. That would just distract. But people that I've known and, and, and labored beside and ministered to and prayed for in these, in these 28 years of, of lead pastoring, People who were enticed by and surrendered to something in this world. It's bothersome. I'm not saying the majority. I'm just saying that one is too many and yet I've known more than just one. I've seen Demas' story lived out far too many times. Now some people will be quick to tell you, that you cannot walk away from Jesus Christ. That once you've surrendered yourself to him, then nothing will distract you. Nothing will entice you. That nothing can cause you to desert. And yet this book says, this book says, and it shows us otherwise. This book recounts people who, who followed Jesus, even followed him so closely and I know his is perhaps an overused example, but I think of Judas who walked with Jesus, literally walked with Jesus for three years, who saw him perform the miracles, who ate the bread and the fish that he supernaturally multiplied, who saw him walk on water, who saw him raise people from the dead, who saw him heal every, the Bible says, every kind of disease and still walked away from him, betrayed him, sold him out. He too, Judas, we know his story. Judas is probably the prime example of someone who was caught up by something in this world and deserted I'd really like to say that, that that kind of thing can't happen today, and yet I see from the Word and I've seen from experience that does happen. 
this book shows us and tells us too many examples. The question, therefore, the question, the very serious, this is a hard message to preach. I was like, I'm doing this on Pastor's Appreciation Day? Come on. But I know that I have to do this. Because the question that, that Demas' story, Demas and Luke's story, the, the, the question that I have to ask you and I, that we have to ask each other, that we have to ask ourselves as followers of Christ, that we must ask is quite simply this, is there anything in this world that can draw me away even to the point of deserting Jesus Christ? That's a question I want you to ask right now. Is there anything, and by the way, anything, it's, it's probably, it, it, not probably, it always starts off as a small thing. Is there anything in this world that can draw me away incrementally sometimes, sometimes suddenly, but incrementally? Is there anything in this world that can draw me away even to the point of deserting Jesus Christ? Is there anything? Just allow the Holy Spirit to ask that, you and the Holy Spirit, ask that question. <laughs> Lord, is there anything? Is there anything? Is there anything... Regardless of size, regardless of what it might be, is there anything in this world that, is, that has the potential of eclipsing my passion for you? I, uh, I've been watching uh, something. I, I'm not a big TV watcher, but I really enjoy a, a good documentary. I've been watching something recently on... Uh, World War One. It was a. It was a, 100 years ago next month that World War One ended. Consequently, there's a lot of information out there on the centennial remembrance of the end of that war. No one who was involved in World War One remembers it because they've all passed away. Um, I've been reminded as I've been watching this how the carnage and the loss, and, and this documentary is quick to point out how many people were lost in both sides of the conflict. Um, how many Germans and Austro-Hungarians and Americans and British and French, those Russians, how many people died. And there's a lot of graphic images on this of, of bodies that are torn apart and lying dead in the mud. It's, it's tough stuff. War is, right? But I got to thinking, you know, it's, it's, not just, it's not just the loss of life, and I'm not minimizing that. It's not just the, the numbers, but these men, the average age was 24 in World War I of combatants. And, and you wonder what could have, what could have come from those mostly men who died in battle. What could have they become, right? Because in your, in your 20s, you're just starting life. I mean, you've, you've gone through those formative years and those shaping years and those often academic learning years and, and, and you're, 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 you're well into now, into adulthood and, and the potential all lies before you. That, but, but how many of those millions of people never lived to to their 30s, their 40s, and beyond. And the things that they could have accomplished, right? The, the, the things that they could have developed or invented or discovered, and, and yet it was all 
millions upon millions upon millions, it was, it was squashed out. And I was reminded of that as I was looking at this story of Luke and Demas. And how, how the potential that was lost. It's not that just one person, it's not just that one person left, but what could have that one person done had he stayed? What could have been accomplished had he not deserted and gone off to Thessalonica? The next couple of weeks, the Lord has really been putting some things on my heart that I want to do everything I can as a pastor. I want to do everything that I can as a pastor to, to see every person that I pastor never desert to not give up, to not be drawn away by something in this world. I feel that so deeply. You know, I'm getting to the point now where I, I fully recognize that there are probably more years behind me in ministry than I have in front of me. That's just, right, you just do the math. But there's this, this overwhelming passion within me to say, Lord, however, you know, 15, 20, 25 years perhaps that I have left, I, I, I don't know, only he knows the number and I trust him with it. But I, I, want, to, I want to do everything I can to the people that I know, the people that I, that I serve alongside. I want to make sure that they want to, that they, and, and so for the next number of weeks, I'm going I'm to be bringing some things to you. Messages that are, are pointed about how we're going to, how we're going to finish this thing strong. This journey of following Jesus, this journey of serving Him, regardless of how it was that you came to Christ or how long you've been serving Christ, I want you to finish in Jesus Christ. I don't want to hear about you or, or we got a lot of people traveling today or some of the people that are a part of our church. I don't want to hear about, well, you know what, they, they got caught away by something in this world. I'm going to call it going the distance because we need to go the distance. We need to go the distance. We need, to, we need to keep going. We need to stay in the battle, regardless of how hard it is, how long it is. It's going to be harder, and folks, i got news for you. It's going to be harder going ahead than it has been. Our culture is dictating that. It's going to be challenging. There's going to be spiritual battles ahead. It's going to be hard, but glory to God, we can do this because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. It's not up to us. We're, we don't have the strength. You don't, none of us have the strength to go the distance, but Jesus can give us the strength. And I'm going to be bringing some messages that deal with all of that. Let me, let me finish with this. Let me finish with Luke and Demas. What's the rest of their story? I mentioned to you that there's only three references, and we just read all three. They're, they're never mentioned by name, never mentioned any other place in Scripture. but maybe you know some of the rest of their story. The Holy Spirit later inspired Luke to write the Gospel of Luke, right? You've got it in your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Who wrote it? Luke. Paul's friend. 
If you want to know something about the birth, the incarnation of Jesus, Luke is the go-to person. He writes more about Jesus' birth than Matthew did. Only Matthew and Luke record anything about Jesus' birth. But Luke does more. Luke, this physician, this doctor, he, above all of the other gospel writers, goes into detail about the physical aspects of Jesus, Jesus' suffering on, before and on the cross. This is meticulous detail that Luke does. Where did it start? <laughs> it started with this Gentile coming to Jesus and Paul saying, hey, you're with me, let's go do this together. That's what Luke did. Oh, oh, and he didn't stop there. Or rather, the Lord didn't let him stop there. The Lord later on inspired him to write this book called The Acts of the Apostles. He's the historian of the early church. The book of Acts that we have, it's one of the largest books in the New Testament. He, inspired by the Holy Spirit, did it. Why? Because, because, because Luke didn't go off to Thessalonica. That's why. Because Luke stayed the course. God used that man who remained faithful. He inspired him to write in some ways more of the New Testament than anyone else. Two millennia later, 2,000 years later, countless organizations and buildings are named after Luke, including, how many here have either been in or visited St. Luke's Hospital, right? Let me see your hands. Of course you have. It was named after Luke. Some of you name your family. We've got at least, I mentioned Lucas and Miranda Howard, or Lucas, it's the same basic name. Pastor Ben was up here. Got a little boy named Luke, Lucas, right back. I mean, you've got people named Luke. You, you've known people named Luke or Lucas. I understand in 2013 I read how Luke or Lucas was the number four name for giving kids boys names in 2013. That's pretty cool. That's 2,000 years later. We're still naming people Luke. You ever meet a Demas? See, we know even less about his story. Maybe that's best because I think it would be too heartbreaking. No one names hospitals or buildings or organizations after Demas. If you see a building named after Demas, don't go in. It can't be trusted. Again, there's no one named Demas here, and, and I doubt you've ever known one. In an internet search, I did an internet search on Demas, and the only thing that came up is his word, his name rather, is a byword for desertion. Don't you ever name anyone Demas. Here's the thing. They've long since passed. I don't know. I'm going to leave it up to the Lord, of course, to whatever happened eternally with Demas. But I'm quite confident, Luke, I'm going to meet him someday. I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to say, I know you. My son was born in your hospital. How? I don't think I'm going to say that then. But they're long since gone. But you and I, May your life and may my life be marked by faithfulness. 
at the end of our days, whenever that might be, and it might be today, it might be tomorrow, we just don't know. But at the end of our days, may it be said of us, he or she was not distracted or drawn away by anything this world offered. He or she lived a long time or maybe a short time on this earth, but in their time here, though they were in this world, they were not drawn away by this world. May that be said of us. May it be said of you. May it be said of us. They remained faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what they did because they trusted him with their lives. I'd like you to stand. Would you please across this congregation? I'm going to pray for you. We're not going to gather. These altars are, as always, open. If you want to come forward and pray, then you know what? You'll just be further back in line. Well, we have a, we have a fellowship that we're going to go. You're all invited. You heard that earlier. You're all invited. If you have uh, other plans that you have to go to, you, you can go. But, but boy, yeah, if you, if you just, just, you know what? You just come and join us. We're going to have a great time together. I'm going to pray over the meal. But I also, more than that, I want to pray over you. I want to pray over us. I don't know where you are on the timeline of life. Only God does. But may we be faithful. I want you to join us in coming weeks. Share some things that are just directly pointed about what we can do. Things that we can do so that we can go the distance. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. I thank you, Lord, that even if it was days ago or years ago that they gave their lives to you, I thank you that they're serving you. Lord, this I pray, that nothing in this world will draw them away from you and what you've called them to do. May they not be listed as a casualty leaving people to wonder what could have been had they not been pulled away. But rather, may it be said of them at the end of their days and for eternity, they remained faithful and they trusted Jesus to the end. Help us, Lord, to do that. I thank you for our fellowship. I thank you that we're, we're, we are fellow workers that we are in this together, that there are leaders, but we're all workers, we're all laborers, we're all, we're all in this together, and I thank you for the privilege of that. We ask your blessing upon the rest of this day, all that it holds. We ask your blessing upon a meal that we're going to have. We thank you for that. We commit our time, most of all, we commit ourselves to you, and we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe in him, say amen. 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 God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.